everyone has a story to share that shapes the very foundations of who we are. And sometimes these stories become obstacles that we can't move past and we find ourselves stuck. A Modern Shaman is an original podcast series that shares these stories, the shit we all go through and the ability to overcome it. Get ready to laugh, cry, and become inspired as we share and find comfort in the stories that connect us. Join your hosts, Shaman Isabella and Kimberly Harlan, each week on A Modern Shaman as they explore ways for you to discover healing, growth, and joy. Learn how letting go of trauma can open up a world full of beauty that awaits us all. So, can we ask you, what's your story? This is A Modern Shaman. Hi, and welcome back to A Modern Shaman, episode two. Here we are. Hi, Isabella. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How was your week? It's Monday. Right? I haven't had it yet. Oh, the last week. <laughs> the last week. It was rough. It was right. It was, it was freaking rough. It was yeah. insane. It I, was cuckoo. Yeah. I don't know what the energy on the planet was happening. Uh, for those of you listening to this later, let's see. What week was that? January 20. I don't know. No. I've no, literally I'm, in the past three years I have lost all concept of time. Right. That well, is the truth. I never know what day it is. I rarely know what month it is. And it's just I think it's wow. a it's an um just something that set in during COVID when we just everything changed. Everything did change. Okay. Everything did change. Well, I will tell you because my grandson's birthday is on the 21st and I was just there. It was the week before that, so whatever that whatever that was, because <laughs> it was intense. Twenty twenty three. Here we go. So yeah, uh, we've had a lot of great feedback after that first show, even though it's not even on any platforms yet. I mean, it's literally through the email on the Facebook. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Um, your comments are super helpful and super appreciated. Yeah, um, we re- really are looking forward to reaching out and. He- to you more and hearing back from you more. So please email us. Um, we got our first guest. <gasps> right? We're going to have a guest. Right? I don't know how. We're not set up for it yet, but we definitely That's have legit. Linda Saslow, who wrote this book. And uh, we'll talk more about that at a different time. But I wanted to just thank you guys for really, uh, we got a photograph of Jenny on her surfboard. For the first time after something that scares three babies after her third baby. And she did it. She got back on that board. So here's to Jenny, a shout out to Jenny. Um, But yeah, we, we said that we would talk this week about self-worth and Kim, what was your immediate reaction to, to the topic of self-worth? I said, it's big. Yeah, it's big. And I I think you said no. I kind of froze. I, I deer in the headlights. Yeah, you were like, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. do we have to do that one? Yeah. Do we, can we do something else? It's so big. It's It can just like sit on you. And when you even think about it, and I think a lot of the times you try not to think about it. Right. But self-worth is the key. It really is the key. Because when we doubt ourselves, 
when we are in low self-esteem or, or, you know, low self-worth or not feeling good about ourselves or beating ourselves up or judging ourselves over and over and over, mm -hmm. we cannot be in the highest vibration of self. We cannot trust our intuition. We don't know what decisions to make. Oh my gosh. That's great. I remember asking a million people what I should do. And then I would pick the best one. But from their opinions of what you should do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's how a, low. That says something. Yeah. That's how low my self-esteem was. That's how low my self-worth was. I could not trust myself to make a decision because I always made bad decisions. I had a broke picker when it came to men. I made bad choices in my life. And so I would just ask people after I got my life together, what do you think I should do? What do you think about this? What do you think? I'd love to, I wish we are on a call right now because I'm sure there are a lot of women out there that would call and say, oh my gosh, I do the same thing. I ask everybody else what I should do. So when you pick the best one. <laughs> when you kind of came to a place where you started asking other people about what you should do, how, where were you in your life? How, like age range wise? Oh no. I mean, that was 31 when okay. I first got my okay. life together, but you know, I had had so many years of addiction and, and trouble. I mean, I had 20 years of insanity that I really did not trust myself to make a good decision. So obviously that's not your story. So that you, you were confident and you didn't ask other people what their opinion was or didn't care what other people thought of you. No. <laughs> I yes of course I did um but I did well they're two separate subjects right like what other people think of us and asking people's opinion of what we should do with our lives but I think that maybe the oh directed exactly at what you just said then the greatest gift I maybe gave myself or was born was born with I was um I figured out really early, even in probably high school, um, that I don't care. That, wow. that I must have read it somewhere. I really don't remember, but um, I do remember reading that everybody else's opinion is none of, of me is none of my business. And that has always stuck in my head. Yeah. Well, I just recently heard that, but uh, yes, I've been teaching it for a while yeah, now. Yeah, maybe not in those words. But, but back in the day, I definitely didn't have that. I mean, especially in school, I cared deeply about what other people thought of me. I just floated along a lot more than that. I had friends. I had a, a solid but super weird family. Um, my mom was single, and so she worked and she always took care of us and she always, you know, made the house payment and went to the grocery store and made sure we were taken care of. But it was one of those situations in our house. She was a young mom. Um, I was born, I'm the oldest. I was born, she was 21. So she was still figuring everything out. Can't imagine. Um, but I played, we, we talk about this. There, there are certainly a lot of times, a lot of years, a lot of, um, situations where I was, I played the mother. Well, you're the oldest, right? That happens a lot. I, I, I know my older sister, actually there's a story because my mom was also a single mom. Mm -hmm. um, we talked a little bit about our fathers uh, in the previous show. So if you haven't heard the first episode, go back and learn a little bit about our dads. 
Um, Cause that's quite a story. And we're not finished with that story either. But, um, you know, so my mom was doing everything herself and my dad, even though they were still married when my sisters were around, you know, he was flying all over the world, making films and being this, you know, director, writer, producer, Victor Stoloff. And my mom was at home with the kids and working and she was on the cover of Vogue and Bazaar. And, you know, when you say working, she was, she was modeling working in front of a camera. Right, right. So they were gone a lot. And he was um, behind the camera. And my oldest sister would, like, put me in the pram and push me down the street with her boyfriend. My sisters are 10 and 11 years older than I am. And wow. she would say I was their their, oh their kid, oh you know. God. So here's my sister pushing me down in her pram. And, and she definitely took over the mother role growing up. So how old would she have been then? Well, let's say if I'm like three, she's probably 15. Uh, she was 12 years older than me. So yeah. about, about so that. Did your mom um, have a, st- like, so if she's working modeling, that can be very sporadic and travel. Was, uh, was it the situation where she was either home with you or she was gone? She, yeah, she, I mean, she it was home a, at five o'clock. Or no, there was no night. nine to five in okay. my family. I come from a family of creatives. I, I think... You know, they always say that you're, the child's most important time is the first five years. So the first five years of a child's life is the most important. Mm-hmm. And I think that I survived. I know that I survived all the trauma that I put myself through because I had a very good first five years. So I think from 1960 to 1965, I have my mother, my father, who was in and out, my two older sisters, my babushka, my, my Jewish grandma, Russian Ashkenazi Jew grandmother, her sister, my great aunt Lisa. Um, I had, you know, they had a lot of dinner parties, you know, they were writing Andy Griffith stories on the kitchen table with Jim Fritzell and Bob Sweeney. And, you know, it was a, it was a life, you know, we were at the director's guild at Christmas time and we were flying to Jamaica to do a movie and like, there's a story that Elliot Gould and Ray Milan taught me how to swim and Ginger Rogers was my godmother. I mean, I have all these crazy wow. stories, whether they're true or not. Wow, um, such an LA story. But very this much. This was your childhood? That was my, that was my first five years. You know, I wow. was in the Hollywood Hills. Um, and then as that heyday began to, you know, the. What I think will break down. What happened to my dad was he got caught in the McCarthy era. So he was blacklisted. Yeah, he was blacklisted. And he had just got a job on the lot. Uh, You know, he he had made a movie in Egypt called Desert Boy. And it was sort of his calling card. It wasn't sort of. It was his calling card. It was nominated Best Documentary Feature Film 1943 on this story of Egypt. And um, it's a, yeah, it's a very interesting little story. And yeah, well, a lot of my dad's work is at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. So you can just go and say, I'd like to see Victor Stoloff's work. Amazing. Um, And so, you know, in the first five years, it was more of a cohesive family. You know, you can see from the photographs. And then I think 65 
you know, things started changing. 66, the world was changing, oh, yes, you yes. know. Yeah, um, the Vietnam War was... Well, we had Martin Luther King getting yes. shot. We had the president getting shot. Civil we rights. had civil rights happening. There was a lot of upheaval in the world and in my household. So there was a lot of chaos, uh, a lot of yelling, a lot of, you know. So for the first five years, I think I was relatively stable. And then my babushka passed, and then my great aunt Lisa passed, and my sisters moved out of the house. My my oldest sister married a country western singer at eighteen in Vegas called Coke Willis. <laughs> like, and then my sister Katina ran off and traveled the world and met Osho, and lived in India uh, with the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh and. You know, wow. ended up in Antelope, Oregon with the 99 Rolls Royces and right. shotguns. And, Have you seen that documentary? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. And she still sleeps with his hat. I mean, my sister, really? Osho, was the key to pure love. And that, you know, so I was raised in this very eclectic kind of home. Um, but there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of upheaval. There wasn't anything really stable. It wasn't like... Um, you know, we were flying, we were going, people were coming in and going, uh-huh. you know, a lot of, and I remember at like eight years old, you know, learning about lying. I remember saying, you know, I lied about something and my mom lost her mind. And, and I said, you know, what you lie, mom, uh-huh. you, you, you say, you know, tell them, you know, tell them I'm not home, honey. Tell uh-huh. them I'm, I'm, I'm not here and you're here. So I was very vocal. I was a very vocal seven-year-old. Um, and she would say, oh, darling, that's just a little white lie. That's not the same as what you did was a real lie. You know, so this contradiction. Yes. And this self-worth, you know, being brought up in the house with a model and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and movie stars coming and going. And I never really felt pretty. I, and I was constantly told how pretty I was. But I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel pretty on the inside. I, I, you know, all my girlfriends, I remember having warts on my hands mm-hmm. and all the little girls at Chiramoya Avenue School holding hands and walking down the playground. Mm-hmm. And I had warts. And so they wouldn't hold my hand. Oh, I remember wow. that kind of, yeah, right. Poor little bless my little heart. But that kind of energy. And then it, in, in fifth grade, I remember having Seymour Kessler as our fifth grade teacher, and he would call us morons and idiots and stupid. And I had this long, dark hair and I would wear it, you know, sort of like a curtain as I was reading. And he'd say, you know, Miss Stoloff, pull your curtain back. You're such a moron. Oh, my God. I mean, it was bad. And because we were in this energy of riots and picketing and protests and women burning their bras, I told all my friends, let's have a walkout. <gasps> let's all at one o'clock, we're all going to stand up and we're going to walk to the basketball courts and we're going to stand there until Sandberg, his name was Carl Sandberg, came, the principal, comes and meets our demands. I and all love the kids that. said, love it. right? So I had some kind of self-esteem and self-worth to have that balls to do that. And at one o'clock came and I stood up and all the kids didn't budge. And I remember staring at them and just a couple of them stood up and we went to the basketball courts. Well, I think maybe two or three of us and we went to the basketball courts and we stood on there, there and they suspended us. And, you know, 
Uh, and so much for that. So the next memory is my girlfriend bringing um, whiskey to the school oh, and us no. drinking a <gasps> bottle of whiskey around a circle and like the, what are they called? The yard people coming up and me taking the bottle of whiskey and putting it in my overalls upside down. So the whiskey poured oh, <laughs> all over my overalls. And when we were standing in line, you know how you line up to go back in the classroom, Mr. Sandberg, or no, no, I'm sorry, it was Mr. Kessler. Mr. Kessler, the fifth grade teacher, I can't believe I remember this whole story, but it was like yesterday, you know, put his hand out and I put the whiskey bottle in his hand. And, Girl. And we all went back to our seats. He didn't, really? he didn't send us to the principal's office. He, there was really? no issue. Really weird, right? Until really? my girlfriend got up and walked over to sharpen her pencil and tripped over his chair and fell. And, and she I, was drunk? Passed out drunk. Oh. And so I remember jumping up and saying, I'll take her to the, I'll take her to the nurses. I'll take her to the nurses. I don't think he ever told anybody about the whiskey bottle, weirdly enough. And, and uh, she ended up going home. But I remember telling my mom and complaining to my mom about him. And I could hear them late at night talking on the phone. She would talk to my teacher and he would tell her how disruptive I was and how horrible I was and what a terrible student I was. And my mother believed him. Oh. And rather than listening to me, Listen to him. So the beginning of self-worth, you know, bless both their hearts, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm over my story. But as we're talking about where does that come from? Where yeah. is the beginning of those self-worth issues? Yeah. So what about you, Kim? Are there any stories oh that you remember? Okay, one just flew in my head and I was Yay. in second grade. And my, my birthday is in the summer, it's in July. So we were not in school during my birthday. So at the end of the year, the teacher would get all of us summer babies and it would be our day. Cause if it was your birthday during the school year, you got, you know, your day. But Aww. since I was July, she uh, created a day and it was mine. So we played, we got cupcakes and we were playing a game and I had to leave the room and go and stand in the hallway and something changed in the room and then I had to figure out what it is. I don't remember that part. Somebody hid in the closet and I had to real like it was some dumb game. But I'm second grade. What is that? Seven years old. Um, and I had to go to the bathroom. I had to pee so bad. So I'm in the hallway and I'm thinking, I can't leave. I cannot leave without the, the teacher's permission. Oh, wow. I, if they open the door and I'm not here, I'm going to get in trouble. Right, so right. I just held it as best I could. She opens the door eventually. I stand in front of the class and I pee my pants. Oh, babe. Oh, babe. And that was so, obviously, it's just mortifying. Right, right. She's like, oh, Kim, you know, you, you better go to the office and call your mom. So she sends me to the office, my little pee pants. And I said, I get to the office and there's no freaking way I'm going to say, I just peed my pants. I need to call my mom. So right. I made up some lie that this teacher sent me here to get something. Um, and I went back to class and I just toughed it out for the rest of the day. Words spread through the whole entire elementary school. And I was the girl who peed her pants in front of her class 
till the day I graduated from high school in 12th grade. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so that kind of tortured me in my, kind of in my soul and, and everybody else on the bus, whatever would remind me all the time. I'm like, cause kids, kids, you know, the kids suck. Kids I'm sorry. Suck. They can be. They are so mad. They can They're be so mean. They're so. So that did um, mess with my, you know, my self esteem, my self worth. Yeah. And um, honestly, I left the town that I grew up in a very small town. I was gonna say, where did you grow up? Very, you said Colorado. So. Oh no 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 no! I grew up here in California. Okay. I was born in Culver City, oh. at. Um, Venice and Sepulveda. It was the Brotman Hospital then. Now it's called something else. But I um, well, grew, grew up in a small town called Taft, which is 30 miles west of Bakersfield in the middle of the oil fields. Teeny tiny town. Wow. So when I say... I think I've heard of Taft. Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's notorious for some kind of bad things. Oh, God. Um... But it's it's the oil fields and um, very um, you know desert and the place just smells like either depending on which way the wind is blowing it smells like oil crude uh, or cow shit from more of the the Bakersfield <laughs> direction. <laughs> I guess you just get used to it, right? You do. Then you, you turn 18 and you get the heck out of there, you know, so right. because I wanted to leave all of that small town. Everybody knows my story and everybody tortures each other about their small town stories. And I wanted to be anonymous. But isn't that interesting? It doesn't matter where you are. My sister at 18 wanted to get out of the Hollywood Hills. You in Taft Oilfield wanted to get out. It's it's this energy of I'm not happy where I'm at. I'll be happier somewhere else. And isn't it nice to say that you and I sitting here at this age know that that's not true? I mean, at least that's the journey that, thank God, we've come to because we realize, I realize, I shouldn't be speaking for you, but I know you do. Uh, your self-worth, you know, it right. comes not from where you are or not from anybody else. You it know, comes from, from yourself. yourself. And so that's the teaching for today, right? So what do you do, Kim, for your self-worth? Oh, what are some these, tools? These what are questions. some? I, I clear my mind. I meditate. Great. Great. Um, I learn. I seek. Wisdom from teachers, like beautiful shaman, Isabella. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of awing today. It's a lot of awe moments. I guess, I, you know, but self-worth is like that. Because right, it and really, it comes and goes, right? Yeah, because right. it is going back to, to that seven-year-old, um, that inner child thing, that, that insecurity that, that we carry with us. We can, and we can let it go and we can forgive it. Well, we probably aren't going to forget it and ever. Yeah. But it, the story doesn't have to live in your soul anymore. The no. story is the story, but it doesn't have to live inside of you. So what would you tell that second grader right now? It, it get, you know, it's cliche. It gets better. Um, when you are able to 
go down your own path and live your own life, whatever that means. Seek your own wisdom, create your own stories. The old ones, they start to fade away and they really don't matter. You know what I want to say to that second year old? Boy, you got balls. Boy, you got balls. You went back and stuck it out and toughed it out. And yeah. wow, what a strong little girl. Thanks, Shaman Isabella. You're welcome. I <laughs> but it's the truth, right? Yeah, but see, just right there, we don't stop. And when it's about us, that's the trip about self-worth and self-esteem. We don't Other see people it. see it, but you don't. Right. Until don't. you do. Until you and do. And so our stories hopefully will enlighten and inspire you to see your story from a bird's eye view. The things I do for self-worth is like the tools in my toolbox. I like to have like this tool box. And what do I put in that toolbox? It's like every time I trust my intuition and I'm right, I no longer have to ask other people what they think I should do with my life. I know what I should do with my life. Yeah. And, I, and rather than beating myself up, over my mistakes, I learn from my mistakes and I don't call them mistakes. I call them lessons. Those were just lessons. How do I grow from my lesson? How do I love myself through this moment? How do I um, feed myself? So for me, it's always positive affirmations and mantras. Mantras have always worked for me. So, you know, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I'm doing a great job. I'm doing the best I can. Oops. Slip, trip, bump my head. Uh-oh. Okay, I pick myself up and I keep moving forward. I keep moving forward. Like you and I just came out of this really hectic week, but here we are. We don't really want to do this today, but here we are. We're doing it. We're making it work. We're not happy with every little thing in our life, but we know how to shift the energy, shift our vibration to be more positive to be more enlightened, to see our lives from a bird's eye view. So if we can give you anything, whether you're a man or a woman listening to this show, yes, okay, it's women's stories to enlighten and inspire, but it could be enlightening, inspire men. You know, sure, we, sure. our stories make us who we are today. And looking at your life from a bird's eye view, looking around at that second-year-old and how strong she is, looking at my a uh, little girl on the playground that, you know, said, we're going to make this happen. And then, you know, shit happened after that, which of course we're going to get to. I thought we'd, we'd get to the first rape today, but I guess we didn't. It's not for today's show. So stay tuned as we continue to explore and expand and tell our stories. Please, please, please email us at, I don't know what email I gave last time. Isabella? Did I? At Gmail? Mm -mm. Well, let's try this one. <laughs> info at shamanisabella.com. It wasn't that one. It wasn't that it one. It was not it info wasn't. at shamanisabella.com. Really? So then shamanisabella at gmail.com. It That's, was that one. Okay, cool. So do either one because we'll get it. Each week right now, you'll find them on the orangecountyhealingcenter.com website. So if you missed this podcast or missed the podcast before, please go to uh, orangecountyhealingcenter.com. We are uh, so, so happy. We're, again, broadcasting from the Modern Shaman Restaurant 
where Kim does what? I try to feed people. <laughs> I try to nurture souls right through their bellies. Her food is absolutely amazing. Vegan, yummy, comfort food. Uh, my favorite here is the Pachimama burger. What's Pachimama? Uh, the Pachimama burger? No, is who is the, Pachimama? Oh, Pachimama Murayuku Paisita Kaya. Pachimama is Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Hey, listen, we've postponed the Peru trip because uh, there's a lot of unrest there right I now. I was reading. Yeah, so it's we got we got to wrap it up. But go read about Peru. We'll do it at a different time. We're looking at Maui or Bali Ooh. for this year, possibly. Well, I don't know. Every day is different. Go out there, my friends, and enjoy your lives. Till the next time. All right. I am Kim. I am Isabella. Have a beautiful, beautiful week. Love you. Bye. Peace.